Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of the pastors here at The Rock. Amen. 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 Oh, come on. If you, if you agree with that, come on. Say amen. There we go. There we go. Well, hey, we are uh, continuing our series in Revelation. And uh, so if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn in them with me to Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 18 in just a moment. Actually, we're going to begin reading with verse number 29, which is the last verse of this section. But uh, as we get into this, let me, just, uh, let me just lay a little groundwork. So we've been in this Revelation series. And um, man, I love the book of Revelation. Now, I think most people, when they think about the book of Revelation, they think of, you know, the end of the world, right? It's coming. It's the end of the world as we know it, right? It's the apocalypse. In fact, uh, for many years, I worked with uh, young adults and youth, and you'd be surprised as to how many of them are asking about zombies and aliens and what does the book of Revelation have to say about that? And um, you know what? Uh, and And so I think many times we approach this book with so many, uh, you know, maybe misconceived impressions. And uh, can I just summarize the book of Revelation for you right here, just literally in five seconds. Revelation is all about Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of Him. In fact, the, 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 the book is really divided into four sections, and in this first section that we've been covering, um, it reveals Jesus Christ as Lord of His church. And so the book of Revelation, at the very beginning, it, it, it says this, that, hey, if your heart's open, whoever reads this, whoever hears this, whoever teaches this, you are going to be blessed as you come to know your Lord and your Savior all, all the more. And so that's really what Revelations is trying to communicate to you and I. It's trying to communicate Jesus Christ, who he is. And, you know, the Bible says that as we behold him, we are transformed into his image from glory to glory. And so if you're out there today and you're wondering, man, why, why, why don't I and why can't I seem to look like and act like and talk like and think more like Jesus? Well, maybe you should check up in the arena of how much you are just simply beholding him, just simply looking upon him, interacting with his, with his glory, interacting with his person. And, and the more that we do, the more we become like him, right? That's why the Bible tells us things like, hey, listen, bad company corrupts good habits. You get around the wrong people, you get around the wrong things, and you allow, you know, the wrong things to infiltrate your life. Well, it's no wonder why we'll have challenges. However, if we'll turn our eyes and turn our hearts and turn our ears over onto the sun, all of a sudden, man, we find ourselves starting to look like him, starting to talk like him, starting to do like him, and then we become the representatives in life that God has called us to be. Can somebody say amen? So revelation is all about revealing Jesus to us. In this first section we find, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord of his church. Now if you've been with us um, throughout the last couple weeks, you know that Pastor Teresa and Pastor Richard did a phenomenal job uh, talking to us about these first two churches that Jesus addresses here in, in, in the second and third chapter. I'm going to be addressing the fourth church Wait a second, Pastor Joe, what happened to the third church? Don't worry, it's still there, <laughs> right? It's still there, and uh, we just had a little bit of a change of schedule, and so we'll get back around to it. But I bring that up to say this to you, that it doesn't really matter what order we go in. And the reason why is because Jesus, while he addressed seven different churches, there's really one message, There's really one message that God has for his church. And if we will get a hold of what he's saying, exactly what the Bible says here in Revelations will happen. We'll become overcomers. You must understand that during this time, uh, there are more than seven churches. Well, then, Pastor Joe, how come he only addressed seven churches? Well, it's because Jesus had one message for the universal worldwide church and he, and he got it all out addressing seven different churches. And this is substantiated when Jesus at the end of each section, and so if you'll turn with me for just a moment and look at verse number 29. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 29, this same sentiment is repeated over and over again after each of the, of the messages to uh, these seven churches. Watch what it says. It says, he who has an ear. So the first thing we've got to ask ourselves is, do we have an ear? Great, you got one? Then God wants you to hear. What does he want you to hear? Watch what it says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says 
to the churches, plural. Not to this church, not to the church you like the most, not to the the message you like the most, not to the one you feel that most speaks to you. Uh, No, God wants us to look at what he is saying to all seven churches because it's really one message, and as we get a hold of it, we'll become overcomers, okay? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He makes the same statement, chapter 2, verse number 7, verse number 11, verse number 17, 29, chapter 3, verse number 6, 13, and 22. What is the message? I already mentioned it just a moment ago. It is a message of overcoming. God wants us to be a glorious, a victorious, and an overcoming church. And if we'll get a hold of what he says, it'll produce that in our lives. It's repeated in chapter 2, verse number 7, verse number 11, verse number 17, verse number 26, chapter 3, verse number 5, verse number 12, and verse number 21. God wants us to be overcomers. Now, Pastor Joe, why do you go through all those verses? Because I want you to see, I want to substantiate what I'm saying. I want you to see just how, you know, intentional and just how much God is communicating these truths. So as we look at this book of Thyatira, um, I decided to subtitle this message, Considering the Goodness and Severity of God. Considering the Goodness and Severity of God. God wants you to hear what he has to say. And if you do, and if you hold to it, God will make you an overcomer. We're going to be looking at this church of Thyatira, and we're going to be considering tonight the goodness as well as the severity of of God. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 11, verse number 22. You don't have to turn there. Uh, you can write it down and look at it later. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, and that's good, that's good news, toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. You see, there's this tension, there's this balance that you and I as Christians, we must keep. And it's the tension, it's the balance of understanding both God's goodness as well as the severity of God. Now, can I just be honest with you? Um, I, this is November 1st, so technically last month, right? I, I, you know, I, I told Pastor Dan, hey, you know, we're, we're getting closer to, to the holidays and Christmas, and there's a number of things that we're going to be doing. Um, if you wanted me to preach, I was wondering, you know, what date that might be. And so he texted me back, and he said, would you be interested in t- teaching Revelation? Yeah, sure. And he's like, okay, what day and, and what part? So he texted me, Revelation chapter 2, 18 through 29. I said, okay. I go and open up and read. I thought, oh, man. Why did I ask to talk? Why did I, why did I ask to preach? Because this is, okay, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I did not want to teach this message. And because in, in this, fourth, this fourth church that Jesus addresses, it is the longest part of, of Jesus' messages as well as probably the toughest. So this, might, this is not going to be a message where you may feel like standing up and shouting and dancing and call the worship team back out here and let's break out some gospel and let's, you know, rejoice. This is one of those, this is one of those tough messages where, let's be honest, Jesus keeps it real. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus keeps it real and that Jesus keeps it 100, okay? Because there is a goodness of God as well as a severity, you know what, Can I, if I could just be honest with you, and so look, look, let me back up for just a moment. Let me say this. After I accepted, though I didn't want to, after I accepted, I began to read through this and I began to study. If I'm honest with you, I felt cleaner. I felt cleaner in my spirit and soul than I did before I accepted to preach this message. And that's because as I prayed, there is a power of God to work things in our lives that God desires. And God wants us to be a clean people. And as I, as I sat there reading my Bible and I was reading this other book that talks about the church of Thyatira, when I was done, I thought to myself, Lord, I feel cleaner. And I was reminded of this verse. Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The Bible also talks about how the fear of the Lord is clean. And some of us so often we go through life and 
Let's just be frank about it. We live contaminated lives, and we need the Word of God, and we need the Spirit of God to come and to clean us up so that we can be everything that God's called us to be and do everything that God's called us to do. Now, this is only going to happen when you and I choose, as they say, to face the music. You see, we live in a generation, we live in a generation of time that people don't want to be talked to. They don't want to be instructed. They, they, they don't want people, somebody to come along, somebody older, somebody wiser, maybe somebody more spiritual, and to try and help them, uh, uh, um, you know, get better at life, get better at the things that they're doing, whether it's on the job, in their marriage, with their children. We just live in one of these generations that is just like, you know, let me do me. You do you, and I'll do me. Stay out of my business. The reality is, is that when you and I choose to face the music, when we open ourselves up, not just to the goodness of God, but also to hearing God's warnings, also listening to God's rebukes, my goodness, the psalmist said, let the righteous strike me. When we open up, then God is able to work his full and perfect will. Can I read this verse to you? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 11. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, or in other words, as the children of God. My son or my child, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. I underlined or I highlighted that word rebuked. Don't be discouraged. Don't, you know, don't get offended. Don't get angry. Don't, don't do all these things where you, where you turn your heart and you turn your emotions and you turn your mind and your life away, even though it's tough. Watch what verse number 11 says. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I don't know about you, but I'm looking to live a righteous life. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the peaceable fruit that comes from right living. I don't know about you, but I'm looking to be in right standing with my King, with my Lord, with my Savior. I don't want to be in a position where I am out of sync with God. And the way that I remain in sync with God and the, remain, the way I remain on track with him and headed for the destination that he has for me is when I allow him to come into my life and to rebuke me and to correct me and to tweak me and to build me up into the man that he's called me to be. So we've got to be open. Pastor Joe, what about Revelation? Don't worry, we'll get there. What I need you to understand is this, that as we get into this church, looking at this church of Thyatira, they had a lot right, but they also had a lot wrong. And so because Jesus keeps it real, because Jesus wants them to be blessed, Jesus wants them to, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but Jesus wants them to walk in intimacy with him. Jesus wants them to escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Jesus wants them to be effective as representatives of his, as, ambassador, as ambassadors here on the earth. And so he begins to talk to them about their lives. And so with no further ado, Revelations chapter 2, beginning with verse number 18, and we're just going to read the whole section, and then we'll go back through it point by point here. But it says this, and to the angel of the church of Thyatira, in other words, the messenger, the pastor, okay, write, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works. Maybe a little point we can point out here is that in each seven of the churches, Jesus says, I know your works. He never says, I know your hearts. I know your works. Love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Now, I love Jesus because every time Jesus comes and he's going to correct something, he always begins by talking about what you're doing well. And I appreciate that. How about you? Kind of, kind of, you know, calms you down and gets you ready for what he has to say next. Okay? Jesus is aware of our good works. Jesus knows of them and he's not overlooking them. Okay? But they didn't have it all right. And so he goes on here in verse number 20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. 
because you allowed that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. Can you see now why I didn't want to preach this? I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no further burden. But hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps, there it is, overcomes, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed in pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is keeping it real. Jesus is letting us know both of the goodness of God as well as the severity of God. So today, what I want to do with you is I have four points for us to consider, considering the goodness and the severity of God, looking here at Revelation. Number one, we need to consider who we are dealing with. Consider who you are dealing with. Go with me now to verse number 18, and let's look for just a moment at how Jesus introduces himself. Let's look for just a moment about, uh, you know, how, how Jesus shows up on the scene. In verse number 18, it says this, and to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, these things says, here we go, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Consider who you are dealing with. This is not nice Jesus walking down the beach with a beautiful gold or blue sash, blonde hair, blue eyes, ready to serve you and I fish. This is the glorified Lord of all the earth with eyes like, now don't get me wrong because the kindness of the Lord is like nothing you will ever experience. He is more kind and compassionate than you and I could ever imagine. And you can't, you can't really know it until you experience it for yourself. But at the same time, he's also the glorified Lord. And as long as you see Jesus as no greater than your homeboy, my friend, you're going to be hindered in your walk with God. You're going to be open to living like the rest of the world and falling into pits and ditches and finding your life all messed up because you brought God down to your level and you saw him as no greater than your, your homeboy. I hate those t-shirts, by the way. <laughs> this is a personal thing of mine. Because he's the friend, you know what, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But he's, I'm not going to refer to him as my homeboy. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. Eyes like a flame of fire. Eyes like, Pastor Joe, what is that? Eyes like a What is that communicating? That Jesus has eyes that see down to the very depths of your spirit and soul. He sees everything. There's no hiding from God. God knows everything that happens behind closed doors. In fact, God knows every motive and intention of your heart. He sees it all. This is substantiated once again here in the same letter in chapter, I'm sorry, in verse number 23. He says, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one according to his works. And so often we live these lives where we're, while God sees everything and knows everything, we live disconnected. And we think that God doesn't care, or God's not involved, or God doesn't see what's really going on. God sees it all, my friend. He sees everything. And this should raise within us a certain level of the fear of the Lord. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to think this way because God is watching. You know, we, we would... Again, as a youth pastor, one of the things we would tell the teenagers, and, you know, we're talking, we get into our dating series is just remember God's watching. 
And that seems like such a, you know, fundamental, basic, and somehow we get, grow from teenagers into adults and we forget that God is watching. God is watching. Eyes like a flame of fire. He sees it all. Oh, but not just eyes like a flame of fire. He has feet like fine brass. Now, I did a little, I did a little research, did a little looking into to brass, and I, I found some cool things, right? Brass, um, so you know if you work with metal that different metals have different strengths and weaknesses, okay? Brass is not the strongest metal, but brass, uh, in its refining process, if they can get all the components right, brass can become one of the most resilient metals to corrosion. They can use brass underwater. They can use brass um, in electrical things where it has to, you know, remain consistent, consistent how it, you know, um, uh, how electricity, excuse me, electricity, you know, flows through. It becomes a conduit for electricity, and it can just remain consistent for long periods of time, right? It can be around different different elements, and it and it is resilient from being corroded. And so Jesus here shows up with these feet like fine brass, communicating to us that He is resilient to corrosion. He is perfect. He is perfect. Uh, he doesn't have any bit of, um, you know, compromise within him. He's perfect. He, he remains the same. I love what James says. James says, hey, don't be deceived. Uh, 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 every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Watch this. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In the same chapter, the Bible says God does not... God does not tempt anyone, neither can he be tempted. Why? Because he is consistent. He is holy. He is pure. He is true to perfection. And so he shows up revealing himself as, this is who I am. I'm the God who sees everything. I know everything. And yet I'm consistent. And what it does is it calls to us, to our lives, to enter into his consistency and to develop in our lives the ability to remain resilient to corruption, to corrosion, to the, to the decay and to the elements of the world. Let me just, I didn't plan on saying this, but, you know, let me see if I can, if, if I can communicate this a different way. Before Adam and Eve, before the fall, right, before Adam and Eve sinned, remember they were there in the garden and the devil comes along and he begins to tempt Eve. And we know the story, right? She, she succumbs and she eats of the fruit she gives to her husband and the rest is history. And so I want to bring this thought to you that if Eve and Adam were deceived and fell in a perfect environment, how much more do you think that we can be deceived and fall in this fallen and imperfect world? That's what I'm trying to communicate to you today, is that we need to develop a resilience within our lives to corrosion, to corruption, to, the, to decay, to the elements of this world, to their ideologies, their ways of living, their ways of doing, their ways of thinking, their ways of talking. Jesus wants us to, Jesus himself is holy, he wants us to be holy. Jesus himself is set apart, he wants us to be set apart. Jesus himself is a perfect representation of who God is, Jesus wants us to be a perfect representation of who he is, and it's not going to happen until you and I begin to take on his characteristics of being resilient in this world. And so we need to consider who we are dealing with. We're, con we're dealing with the glorified Lord. He sees and knows all. There's no hiding from him. No more excuses, because there's no ex more excuses to be had. He is perfect, and he calls us into his perfection. So consider who we're dealing with. The next thing we need, need to consider is we need to consider what we tolerate. In verse number 20, it says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow. A better word for that word allow is the word tolerate. Because you tolerate, you put up with that woman. You put up with that woman, Jezebel, 
who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Can we just take a moment and make this statement that too many of us as Christians tolerate things that we should have no toleration for. There are some areas of life to develop toleration, right? Like, like to have a good, a good pain toleration, that's good, you know? If you work outside, maybe you, have a, you develop a toleration to heat or to cold or, you know, uh, you know I don't know, you, you develop a, a, a tough skin or you develop, you know, the toleration to, to endure. There, there are certain things that we should, we should develop toleration for. But then there are other things we should have no toleration for. Absolutely none. We shouldn't put up with it, not for one second, not for one moment, not for one minute, not for one iota. We should have zero toleration for some things in life. This is going to get a little bit more difficult before it gets easy today, but don't worry, I believe you're going to be encouraged, and I believe you're going to be cleansed, as we mentioned earlier. There are just some TV shows and movies and streaming things that you should have no toleration for. You should not give your eye to it. You should not give your ear to it. Not for one second. Oh, it's just a movie. It ain't just a movie. Turn it off. There are some forms of music you should never listen to. Now listen, it, you know, for me and my wife, my wife, you know, if we're being honest, there's been shows like, okay, this looks kind of good, read the review, turn it on, nope, got to turn this one off. And I'd be lying to say if there weren't some movies that I watched through all the way to the end that frankly I should not have. In fact, I remember as a younger man, before I w- was married, I went to go see, I don't know if I shouldn't even say, well, we're just going to say it now, too late. <laughs> went to go see Blade, vampire movie, like the karate And in the middle of it, God said, I don't like this. Blood and guts going everywhere, demons flying everywhere, and I should have walked out. I didn't. But at least I can say I've never gone back and watched another one of them. Come on, somebody. There are some things that you shouldn't watch. There are some things that you shouldn't listen to. There are some conversations you should not tolerate. I don't care who's talking. You know it's gossip. You know it's wrong. There is some language that you should not let out of your mouth. Foul language and the new birth do not go together, my friend. And the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, only that which is helpful that will administer grace to the hearer. Things we shouldn't watch, things we shouldn't listen to, conversations. Hey, there are places that we shouldn't go. As a Christian, you shouldn't be going to the bar. You shouldn't be going to the club. Come on, don't shout me down while I'm preaching real good tonight. Because I'm. there are certain interactions that you and I, you and I should live differently in our sexuality than the rest of the world. And my friend today, if you are not married, you have no business having sexual interactions with anybody. It's wrong, it's sin, and Jesus points it out right here and says, I want you to get out of it and I want you to repent. Well, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. I'm engaged, we're gonna be married anyways. Until you give your vow to that person and you sign the dotted line, you are not, I don't, well, we live together. Just because you live together doesn't make, it, make them your spouse. Not in the eyes of the Lord. And there are just some things that we shouldn't, we shouldn't tolerate. Some of you, you want to date the devil. Man, Lord, I did not want to preach this message. And you wonder why you have relational problems. It's because you won't obey God when he says, I don't want you to get into relationships like that with people who are unsaved, who do not know me, who do not care, and you think that you're gonna carry out a a successful relationship and raise your children in the things of God when half of your family doesn't even believe in serving me. It will not work. So there are things that we should have no toleration for. Jesus comes along and says, hey, you have a toleration. Now, let's get a little bit more specific here because 
they were tolerating specifically this woman Jezebel. Now, this woman Jezebel, likely her name was not actually Jezebel. This is an Old Testament reference that Jesus is making here. And in the Old Testament, if you know the story, there was this queen Jezebel who, who would coerce and who, who would manipulate. And she was a strong-willed woman, and she got the king and the nation of Israel to serve other gods and to commit sexual immorality. And so that's why Jesus says this woman, this so-called prophetess, Jezebel, what he's, what he's doing is he's likening or he's comparing her to something that they understand. And here in Thyatira, Thyatira was a city where um, there was lots of trade. It wasn't a big city, but there was lots of trade that went through there. And just like we have workers' unions today, they, they had workers' unions as it relates to trade. And um, each one of these trade unions had their patron deity, had their god. And so in order for these people who lived in Thyatira uh, to uh, earn, you know, a wage and make a living, many of them were involved in this, in, in trading, uh, but what they'd have to do is they'd have to interact with these gods while they did it at, on their job. And so Jezebel was showing up and teaching them, hey, it's okay to, what Jesus says here, eat things offered to idols. In other words, engage in the idol practices that the community and that the generation of the day were engaging in. As well as she was teaching them that it's okay to engage in sexual immorality. And so what I want to say to you today is, as we are considering what we tolerate, I want everybody to know today that there is such a thing as truth. And there are ideologies and there are philosophies and there are ways of thinking out there. They come from politics and they come from Hollywood and they come, as I said, from our music and from our interactions with one another that we should not tolerate. Why? Because we know the truth and we are supposed to uphold the truth and to propagate the truth rather than subvert it because we want to be able to interact with the rest of the world. Are you hearing me today? And so there are just some things that we shouldn't tolerate, and at the same time, we should also uphold truth. And they were allowing this woman to get in the pulpit and to teach the people false doctrine. My friends, today, you and I cannot afford to embrace false teaching. And when we embrace false teaching, again, we are setting up our lives to go in a direction that God does not want them to go. We're going to find ourselves broken down. We're going to find ourselves, you know, uh, experience destruction and, and all of these different things because we have forsaken the truth. We must uphold truth. The Bible says this about, in comparison of the Berean church and the Thessalonican church in Acts. I know we're throwing lots of churches at you tonight. It says that the Bereans were more noble-minded than those of Thessalonica because not only did they hear the gospel preached by Paul, but they went back and searched the scriptures to find that those things which he said were true. So listen, today, just because somebody says something doesn't make it true and doesn't make it right. You and I need to be diligent and disciplined to search the scriptures to find out, is this true? Is this right? Is this pleasing to God? And not tolerate false teaching. I teach New Testament survey in the Bible college. It's interesting to me because in the, the last half of the New Testament, you'll find that there was two major challenges that the church had. One was persecution from the Roman Empire and from the Judaizers. And the second one was an internal challenge. It was false doctrine and false teaching. And we think, oh, we're, we're beyond that today. So we need to be very careful what we tolerate. Third thing to consider tonight we need to consider God's mercy and repent. So we're considering who he is. We're considering what we tolerate. And we are considering God's mercy. And we are repenting. Look with me at verse number 21. Watch what it says. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not want to repent. What did, what did Jesus just say? That God gave her a window of opportunity to repent. He saw the failure, he saw the compromise, he saw the contamination in her life, and he says, all right, 
out of love and mercy, I'm going to give her time to repent. Now, let's be clear today. Because God's patience does not equal God's permission. God's patience does not equal God's permission. He gives us time. He understands that we're human. He understands that we are flesh. And there are some things that we may struggle with and we may have challenges with, okay? And so he'll give us a window of opportunity before he has to enter into a position of judgment. So he gave her time to repent. My friend, how long has God given you to get you over the issues that you are dealing with today? You know they are wrong. You know God has spoken to you. You know that you want to change. Hopefully you've not gone so far as to end up where she is, where she doesn't want to repent. My friends, that's a scary place to be. Not just when you have a challenge, but when you have now come to the place where you don't want to change. We put ourselves up and open ourselves up to God's judgment. God doesn't want to judge his children, but he will because he loves us. In fact, I love having conversations with Pastor Richard. He's writing a thesis on God's judgment. And one of the things that he discovered is that in his studies is that God's judgment is for the purpose of reestablishing relationship. God doesn't want to see your life lost. God doesn't want to see your life destroyed. God doesn't want to see the devil get the best of you. So God will enter into a place of judgment, which means to make a decision and he'll do something in your life to get your attention, to get you back to him. We need to consider his mercy, and we need to repent. I want to read to you this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 to 26. It says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, Watch this, and that they may escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Consider God's mercy and repent. Get out from the clutches of the enemy. Pastor Deborah taught such a good message the other day. I think it was Wednesday night. Hey, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's the thief that's come. He's only come not to be your friend, not to help you out. He's come to steal and to kill and to destroy you. That's why he's come. And the way to get out of that mess is to consider God's mercy and to repent. So look at your life. Allow God to speak to you. Begin to take the steps that will bring about change. And God will help you every step of the way. Let's read on here. It says, I give her time to repent of her sexual immorality. Verse number 22. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. So you can stay off judgment if you will repent the new testament says judge yourself that you be not judged okay god is still giving them time to repent and then he and then he says in verse number 23 i will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that i am he who searches the minds and hearts and i will give to each one according to his works now let me explain this here for just a moment okay just like when jesus uses the the name jezebel it is very likely that her name was not Jezebel. It's a reference to an Old Testament character because she was following in, those, in that same kind of, uh, you know, in that same kind of um, uh, spirit in life. Thank you. Okay? And so when he says here, I will kill her children with death, these are not her actual offspring. It is those who have embraced her doctrine and have gone out teaching it as well. Okay, so before you run out of here and say, the Bible says that Jesus kills babies or something like that, because that's, that's not what it's talking about, kill, killing children. He's talking about, hey, I'm going to come after these people who have embraced your teaching and are now teaching it. And then as far as killing these children, I believe what God is speaking to here more so than actual physical death. Now, let's be clear, because he killed Ananias and Sapphira, okay? But at the same time, I think what Jesus is saying here is, you know what? Whenever you and I embrace a false teaching and then we begin to propagate that and share that with other people, it won't be long before you lose your effectiveness, your influence, your momentum in life because Jesus is going to uphold the truth. Can I say it to you this way? God is going to kill that bad doctrine. And if it means you know, 
your ministry going down with it. That's what it means. He's going to put an end to it. And, you know, I've been alive long enough. There has been teachings that have gone forth in the church. And today they are no more. And the people who propagated them are no more. Because they did not repent of their teaching. Are you following me today? That's why it's so important for us to get, to get it right. And if, you know what? Can I just be honest with you? We all have a little bit of false doctrine in our theology. Every one of us. And we need the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to come along and to tweak us. and to. So here's the warning. When He does, you better take what He says and you better fix it. Because <laughs> you don't want to go down with that teaching. Okay? We are considering the goodness and the severity of God. The severity of God is Hey, God sees everything. God will judge you if he has to because he wants relationship to be restored. Um, But there's also a time to repent, okay? And the last thing tonight is this, that we need to consider God's commandments as doable and rewarding. Consider God's commandments as doable and rewarding. Look with me at verse number 24 now. It says, now to you I say unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan. By the way, the depths of Satan is when you embrace these doctrines so much, right, that now you begin to call evil good and good evil. And now you don't even know you're up from your down, you're left from your right, you're just all confused, all messed up. That's what it means to experience the depths of Satan. Okay, as they say, I, um, let's scoot back here just for a moment, 24 uh, now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine and who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. Listen, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The Amplified says they're not grievous, they're not loathsome. What are we saying today? Is God really asking that much of us? I don't want you to commit sexual immorality, and I don't want you to get involved in idol worship, idolatry. Is it really that hard? Are we talking about some unattainable, unachievable task tonight? In light of all of God's mercy and all of God's grace and all of God's goodness and all of God's promise, is it really that hard to ask of us as children of God, don't get involved in sexual immorality and don't get involved with idolatry? This is echoed in the book of Acts when they're debating on whether or not the, the, the Gentile believer should be circumcised. And after the whole debate, this is what they came up with. Here's what we come up with. God wants you to abstain from sexual immorality and from eating things offered to idols. Or in other words, getting involved with idolatry. We're going to put no other burden on you. What is the communication? That what God is asking of us, it's not that hard. You can do it. God believes in us. I believe in you. Do you believe in you? You can do it. You can live a righteous life. You can live a holy life. You can live a sanctified life. You can live a life that is pleasing to God. You can be the representatives that God has called you to be. Come on, church. You can do it. I'll not put a greater burden on you. I'm not going to load you down with all these, you know, do's and don'ts and all this stuff that you can't keep up with. Like this is as if this is some unattainable, unachievable thing. No, you can do it. God's commandments are not burdensome. They're not loathsome. What does he say? He's come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, it's time to roll off the burdens of sin. It's time to roll off the weights that are destroying you. It's time to put aside the works of the devil. You know, the Bible says, depart from evil, do good, and fear the Lord. It will be health to your body and strength to your bones. Come on tonight. Think of the trade-off. You can do it. You can make it. Because God's commandments, they're doable. And not only that, but they're rewarding. Let's close now with these last few verses, 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. We're talking about rulership here. We're talking about position here. By the way, when we get to heaven, not everybody's going to be on the same level. And down here on earth, as Jesus mentioned earlier, to each one I will give according to their works. 
You, want to, you wonder why some people are more blessed than others. Maybe it's because some people are less compromised than others. God wants to reward you. God wants to bless you. God wants to see you flourish in the courts of our God. And then he says here, and I love it so much. He says here in verse number 28, and I will give him the morning star. And according to Revelations 22, that is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Let me close by reading actually Revelations 22 to you, okay? And behold, I am coming quickly. This is Revelations 22, verse number 12. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexual immorality, sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the churches. That's what we just talked about. I am the root and the offspring of David. Here it is, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Look at the rewards that await us both in this life and the one to come. Come on, God's commandments are doable and God's commandments are rewarding. God's commandments are better for you than anything else and at the same time, he incentivizes them by giving us a reward. So today, we looked at this church of Thyatira. We considered the goodness and severity of God. What did we see? We considered who we're dealing with, the glorified Lord, we considered what kinds of tolerations we have in our life. We are considering, number three, his mercy, and we are repenting. And finally today, we are considering that God's commandments, well, they are doable and they are rewarding. So this is what I want to do, okay, as we start to close down this service. I feel like I talked a really long time, but there's a whole lot there to cover, okay? You sit in front of TV shows that are twice as long as that anyways, If during this message, there are some areas of your life that God highlighted, we may have mentioned them here, we may not have. But there are areas in your life that you want to say, you know what, Lord, I know this is not right, and I know this is not pleasing in your sight. But I thank you for your mercy today, and that you want to love me and forgive me and restore me, okay, then I'm going to pray a prayer for you right now that you can be in agreement with. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come and bring a cleansing to your heart and your life. And I believe that you can walk out of this place free, free from drugs, free from alcohol, free from pornography, free from sexual immorality, free from idol worship, which we didn't have a whole lot to get into. And you might be thinking to yourself today, well, there's, I don't have an idol at home that I bow down to, Pastor Joe, so I think I'm good. The problem is when we exalt things in our life above God, they become idols to us. And America may be the most idolatrous nation on the planet. So if there are things in your life that you know are out of place, I want to give you this moment to consider God's mercy and to say, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to, the Amplified says, continually cleanse us from everything that is not in compliance with his will, with his character, with his word. So I'm gonna ask everybody for just a moment to bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we have faithfully covered your word. And Lord, I believe that any time the word goes forth, the Holy Spirit is active. And there are those today, Lord, who have entered into things, God, that they know are not right, that they know are not pleasing in your sight. And God, I believe today that if they are willing to acknowledge those things and to confess them to you, God, in fact, even if they don't, you want to restore them into 
in, in fellowship with yourself. You want to cleanse them and wash them. God, you want to set them free. And it will happen, Lord, as we are honest with you. Lord, you're not angry. You're not looking to kill. You're not looking to judge. God, you want to show your mercy. And so today, Father, right now in Jesus' name, in fact, if you're, I just want you to repeat after me if, if, if this is for you. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I thank you for your great mercy. Forgive me. Forgive me for where I've allowed compromise. Forgive me for entering into behaviors and decisions that are not pleasing in your sight. Wash me now with your blood. Set me completely free. You said that you would remove my sins from me as far as the east is from the west. So I thank you now because I've confessed to you, Lord, and because of the blood of Jesus that I am forgiven, that I am free, I am restored to fellowship, I have a relationship with you, I have a bright future that's only gonna get better because I'm going to follow your commandments to the best of my abilities. And when I mess up, you'll be there to forgive me and to restore me, to get me back on my feet once again. I thank you now. Devil, you have no more place in my life. Get out. In Jesus' name, your works are finished in my life. Amen. Hey, that's, that's worth praising God over right there. I believe. Now listen, you may need to go home and you may, you may need to throw out some movies, throw out some magazines. Uh, you may de- need to delete some people on your phone. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.